0: Episode 384 for August 2015, and if you're a fan of this podcast, I'd appreciate your support. We've got a big bill coming up in a couple days for web hosting, and I'd like your support. Log on to our front page of SpiderManCrawlSpace.com. Look for a button on the right-hand side that says support this site via PayPal, and you can help us pay those expensive bandwidth costs that it takes to host 384 episodes up on our server. All right, on with Spider History. Crawl spacers, welcome to Spider History. Jr. We're headed back to the month that we started the podcast, August of two thousand six.
1: Well, the month you started the podcast, you didn't. Ins- you, you came. You came in two months after. Yeah, this. I, was, you, I wasn't even good enough to be on the first one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then two episodes later, you come on and say, "Oh yeah, hey, are you want to come in on now?" And it's like, well, you know.
0: You know what? I don't think I knew you in August '06, did I? Well, no,
1: that's because you know, back when I first yeah. discovered the the crawl space and I came up with my website, and I sent you a link yeah. request, you didn't respond. So, uh, oh, is it true? Is <laughs> it true I ignored you? I it's true, but uh, that was, that was so that was what a sick move, Douglas. That, I mean, that, that, was, yeah. that was, well, yeah, but I was nobody, well, I mean, I'm still nobody. Uh, oh. anyway, what were we doing? Oh, yeah, the year that you, yeah, the um uh, yeah, when the podcast uh, started, you- I was about to say, this is um, kind of uh, almost like a, a bookend, really, for spider history. Um, yeah. because um, I always looked at uh, about the time the podcast or when Spider History started. Well, actually, when the podcast started, because then we were talking about the issues as they came out. Uh, right. So there's really this, no need yeah. to do any of those in Spider History. And this was kind of at the very end. It came out just as the podcast uh, had started. So
0: Right. And this is like the, the – l- when we do Spider History, we do from Amazing Fantasy fifteen to this month. I would think, as we'd be
1: retreading ground, like you said. Well, theoretically, though, I've I've always well, I, you know, I mean, we make it up as we go. But I've always felt that Spider Man yeah. one hundred, Amazing one hundred, was as far back as we should go, because the Stan Lee era has been pretty well covered, and and there was only one title, uh, which was well, the Amazing Spider Man. And sometimes it just isn't a podcast uh, Spider History unless we have a goofy Marvel team up to make fun of. Mhm. So right. Sex,
0: so what do you want to <laughs> Let's start with amazing. You want to start there?
1: Yeah, we might as well. Uh All right. They're all really so much of it civil war related. It's gonna, some of it's going to run together. So uh but yeah, go ahead and uh do your uh do your warm-up thing and uh we'll we'll hit it.
0: All right. This is uh from August 2006 uh with thanks to our friends at spiderfan.org. Uh, that helps us every month with this as it tries to open the link on SpiderFan.org. Oh, there we go. There it goes. Okay. The writer J. Michael Straczynski, uh, Pencils by Ron Garney. Uh, the arc is called Part 2 of The War at Home, and it's the the Night the War Came Home. Is The, the arc is called Part 2? Yeah. Well, that's what it says. I'm reading it as we speak. The story arc is called The War at Home. <laughs> And part two is, oh, The War at Home. What the fuck? I don't even know. Take me through it. It's the cover where Spider-Man is in front of a press box with a whole bunch of microphones, and he's starting to lift his mask is what the cover looks like.
1: Yeah, and really, we got a lot of story before then. Um, yeah. phew, man, where do I start? Particularly since Civil War turned out to be such a massive cluster F, which all these years later, I've only grown to hate it even more, but I keep seeing how it was a such a, you know, everyone talks about what a classic – uh, story it was but uh anyway. i li-
2: i liked it you how do you yeah. like that everyone literally almost everyone is it, literally almost almost everyone is is out of character
0: yes yeah. well just so mark millar can tell his story well tony well, tony, Star- tony stark's out of character but i i don't know
1: sometimes it, well i was about to say Richards what kind was of, out get of character We'll kind of get into that. I kind of wanted to, to – because to, yeah. trust me, we'll cover that. That's why when you when you originally said, uh, oh, J.R., we'll do news that will last an hour, spider history will last half an hour. I said, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. But um, now this – oh, my Lord, where do I start? Civil War. Um, basically, once upon a time, Marvel had a crossover <laughs> named Civil War. And – they said, they, just, they thought of the idea before actually thinking out what the ramifications of such a story would be. But first of all, what they decided to do was they decided to go ahead and, and start it coming out before they gave the, the artist a chance to actually put some work in the bag. Okay, and so then it got delayed. And because they decided they were going to tie the entire Marvel line to events happening to it, when Civil War, the main title was delayed. Everything else was delayed, and then the major event that they were going to use Spider-Man for, they they were treating it was as such a secret that they released an issue of Thunderbolts a week before, which blew the entire thing anyway. <laughs> and then, well, well,
2: well, now Jr. normally. Marvel keeps it a secret, you know, and keeps under wraps until they can spoil it to uh, USA Today, and then bitch, and then they'll bitch at Rich Johnson for having done it a week earlier. Which
1: exactly was which exactly was what I was about to say. And I'm then, sorry. I didn't mean to steal your thunder. <laughs> no, 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 that's all right. There's 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 plenty of uh, uh, thunder. Plenty of, <laughs> plenty of monkey feces to throw around for everybody on wow. this one. Uh, but no, and then when Wednesday comes up, when people who have been tr- who have, comic fans who have been o- avoiding news and spoilers, you know, this whole time, you know, get up in the morning and say, okay, when my comic book shop opens today, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to get it, and I'm going to find out, oh, let's see what's on the news today. Psh, oh, Spider-Man revealed his identity today! You know, and it's all son of a son of You know, it's all... <laughs> up, like you said, it's, U- it's USA Today, it's there on Yahoo, it's like before the yeah. comic shops even open. Thanks a lot, Marvel. You know, just oh my lord. Anyway, so anyway, that's 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 it, and that, that's part of Civil War in a nutshell. But anyway, the whole idea of Civil War started out was the New Warriors, that great group of heroes that they are. You know, uh, just another superhero team we needed on top of the fifty others that we already had. Uh, they've got a reality TV show. And so they decided that to juice up their ratings. Now, this, this is the story, as I recall. The site, yep. they, they need to go after, they find out where a group of supervillains is hanging out in suburbia trying to lay low. I, and uh, they decide they're going to attack them. And a fight breaks out, and that, naturally, superhero supervillains. And Namor's cousin, Namorita... Uh, clever name there, Uh, goes after Nitro, who's basically an angry old man who's who's prone to explosive behavior, kind of like George and myself, actually. But uh, (laughs) anyway, no, so she attacks Nitro near a school in Stanford, Connecticut. Nitro does what Nitro does, which he explodes. Well, he takes out the entire school, kills six hundred people, and you know, including sixty kids. Well, this is kind of a the the nine eleven event of the superhero world, and so the whole thing, you know, then the whole debate starts. Well, should superheroes register with the government and all, you know, and come out and be licensed and and basically controlled? Sounds like a decent idea in principle when you think about it. Marvel unfortunately did not think about how utterly unworkable that idea is in the context of their own universe. But anyway, where Spider-Man gets involved in this is Tony Stark goes before Congress and ans- answers questions from Congress about it. And Congress is going to pa- decides that they're going to pass the superhuman registration act, which is going to require s- Superhumans reveal are, are their identities to the government. Okay, well, Spider, you know, oh, Spider-Man automatically thinks this is a bad idea. And but but then Tony says, Peter, you know, because Tony tells the President of the United States that he's Iron Man, and so Tony is going to come out as Iron Man. And he says, Peter, I want you at my side, both as Spider-Man and as Peter Parker. And I know I'm not going. I'm not going to do the story justice because actually for the first two th- two or three parts of this, which actually begins like at 531, 532, J. Michael Straczynski actually does a pretty damn good job setting this up. He really does, except for the whole, oh, Tony, I look at you as my father thing. That that was, I didn't care for that. That was that was wrong. That wasn't right. But uh, but Tony wants Peter to come out and reveal him that he's Spider-Man. And he gives some sort of half-axe explanation that says that if I have to, he says, I can't promote superhuman registration while hiding my secret identity, so I have to come out as Iron Man. I want you with me, but if you're going to be with me, Peter, I want, you have to come out as Spider-Man too. And, and here's another reason you have to come out as Spider-Man as well, Peter, because the law is going to be the law. We don't have a choice. We've got to play along with this thing or something worse is going to happen. The only way this is even going to work for you now in the future is you have to come out. And Peter says, Jesus Christ, Tony, this isn't just about me. This is about Mary Jane. This is about Aunt May. This is about everybody I've ever known. You know, I mean, I'm not just screwing around with my life here. I'm screwing around with everybody's. Uh, So. Anyway, at the end of issue 532, Peter has a pretty momentous decision to make. And he talks with Aunt May, he talks with Mary Jane, and then he decides to show up at the press conference and say, ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. And then that theoretically should lead us to issue 533 of Amazing Spider-Man. Ah, but what we find out is that Civil War II has already happened. So <laughs> s- not even the biggest, one of the biggest events in Spider-Man's career doesn't happen in Amazing Spider-Man. It happens no. in a miniseries that Marvel is trying to sell, a misguided miniseries to begin with. But anyway, w- oh boy, where do I get started? Um, where do you get like, started? You've already been going for like... T- yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 honestly, it... it I'm very conflicted about this, because ultimately I hated Civil War for various reasons. But as I go back and I read through these issues, because I read through some of these issues to try to kind of bring myself, put myself in focus, the time it was written and what I was thinking at the time, because I really didn't think it would happen. I really did not think, I thought that was, yeah, 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 Spider-Man, you know, he's going to start pulling up his mask, and then all of a sudden Electro's going to break through, and everybody goes, ah! You know, and then something happens, and then everybody forgets why Spider Man was there, and it's not going to happen. But as I and as I read through this story, though, and as they were setting up the pros and cons of the whole superhero registration thing, because when you think about it, if something like that was really happening, you know, there really is legitimate discussion to be had about this whole thing. I mean, if you had people who really did have these powers. You know, and like we had just been through House of M, where Scarlet Witch all, and Quicksilver, because of their, you know, <laughs> their issues, altered the entire universe. You know, if you really had people running around with powers like that, if you really had somebody like Bruce Banner who could change into a seven foot green monster and start literally destroying entire cities, you know, at a whim. You know mm-hmm. you you wouldn't expect your government to sit by and do nothing. You wouldn't expect people like this to to be running around unchecked. You'd want the government to do something, and unfortunately, that probably wouldn't be let them go about their own merry way. yeah so as you, as I saw this, it was like, boy, this is a good idea. you know this is but then it, it as I read it as I read it, I said, "Oh God, Marvel, you can't tell this story." You can't because you. If you take it to even a fraction of its logical conclusion, you will have destroyed your own universe. Mm-hmm. You can't tell this story cannot be told in the universe that you have been constructing for the last forty years because you were ultimately destroyed. Because the only end is a very bad end. You know, uh, because ultimately, what would happen is these people would turn on each other, fight, kill. They'd kill each other. And take half of the humanity with them. That's what would happen. And it's like I want to, you know, it's one of those things where you you wish that somebody with some sense had sat around, like the Clone Saga, for example, that someone would have had some sense at the table said, no, 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 you can't do this, folks. But they did it anyway. And so when you have, so what they did was they created this plot. And it's like we've always talked about Dan Slott and and his writing on Amazing Spider-Man Where we're saying that plot is the most important thing, and since he's already got an idea where he wants to go, he has to alter the characters to get there. Mm -hmm. Civil War is a perfect example of that. You can't tell that story with these characters without completely changing what they've been all these years and turning them into people that you don't like or people that, or, or have them act in ways they haven't acted for the last 40 years. And what's worse is you have writers who can't write him consistently. I mean, for example, I think JMS originally wrote Tony Stark as is either JMS or Paul Jenkins. Maybe it was Jenkins. I'm getting confused. But anyway, you have one writer writing Tony Stark as someone who's very tormented by the events he's about to set in motion. You know, who who's who's desperately doing this because he knows that if he doesn't at least do this, that the government is going to do something far worse. And he's tormented about the genie he's about to release out of the bottle. But then you've got JMS writing him as he's a mustache twirling Nazi. You know, and so you have different right? – you have the entire thing writing people out of character, and you have writers writing them the – different writers writing the same character completely different ways. It was a cluster F. And why Marvel didn't realize it when they first set pen to paper down, I have no clue. But anyway, so there, there you have Civil War <laughs> kind of in a nutshell. But <laughs> – Right. Amazing. Before I go on and actually talk about Amazing 533, George, <laughs> have any editorial opinions you want to add?
2: <laughs> no, I, I think you've covered it all, and I think you've also pointed out uh, what a jackass uh, uh, Brad is for liking
0: it. <laughs> wow. I, you guys have changed my mind. I hate it. No, I like the story back in the day. Uh, anyway. but,
1: but like I said, it, it, it and actually, 533, Amazing 533 is. See, when Straczynski was on, he was on. But he yeah. – he, and, and this is also what happened with civil, civil War. And I don't want to bash liberals because I do that enough anyway. And I don't want to give anybody the idea that I'm a conservative because I don't want to be associated with those people either. <laughs> but unfortunately, most writers seem to be liberal, and they bring their liberal bias with them. And as liberals and conservatives sometimes are often want to do, they ignore reality, you know. Jerry Conway is a pretty good example of that. (laughs) You know, he's been doing it for like 40 years. Uh, and And J. Michael Straczynski was just really upset about the war on terror and Gitmo. So that kind of colors how he wrote this. But anyway, so everybody brings their political biases into it, which further trashes the story. But anyway, 533 actually started out pretty good. It starts out, of course, with the Civil War event already happening. Peter's already revealed his identity, and he's given a press conference about it. Well, then we start to go to to other people's reaction, and we go to J. Jonah Jameson's reaction, which is actually – a pretty solidly written action. It's it's not the comic book cartoon J Jonah Jameson that so many writers write. It's this Jonah is actually betrayed and feel angry. He feels that Peter lied to him and Peter betrayed him. And while you want to get take Jonah aside for a reality check, which reality has never been one of Jonah's strong points. You you understand I mean Jonah did for all of his bluster, he really did like Peter. He really did. He had a strange way of showing it, but Jonah had a strange way of showing how he liked anybody. He just wasn't the the cuddly kumbaya type. So when he finds out that Peter's been lying to him all these years and playing him for a fool, he's not very happy about it. And you actually understand and sympathize with him to some degree. Um, Doesn't mean Jonah's right, but you kind of sympathize with him. Unlike the Jonah as he's written in some other stories. Well, then we go back to Peter, who is basically throwing up in in a White House restroom because of the magnitude of what he's done, which is what you would do. And he's just sick to his stomach about it. And as he's being chauffeured back to his family, who's hanging out in Avengers Tower, Reed Richards decides to call him and congratulate him. And and then what happens in the next few pages, again, is really well-written stuff, because then Mary Jane calls him. You know, to kind of comfort him. But then Mary Jane, you know, she's on another phone, and Reed Richards is on a phone, and then Sue Richards cuts in on another phone. And then Sue and Reed start arguing. And then Mary Jane starts talking to Aunt May, and then Aunt May starts passing messages. And and then it's like, Peter, why are you, you know, and then, like I said, Reed and Sue get in a fight, and then Aunt May's, you know, why's Peter getting Reed and Sue into a fight? And then Peter just has finally had enough, and he webs the two phones together and has them talking to each other while he's sitting Sitting there just like, oh, God, what did I get myself into? <laughs> really good stuff. And then, you know, Peter yeah. gets off the plane. Or Peter gets off Well, you, a cab to a plane. He gets off the plane. He's handed a, He's being sued by the Daily Bugle. Basically, Which you knew this was coming. Joan is suing him for faking all those pictures over the years and, you know, all that kind of stuff. What you knew that was coming, too. We see Flash's reaction. And of course, Flash at this time has lost as a result of the the accident that Norman Osborne, you know got him drunk and had him driving into the the building the the schoolhouse building. Flash's memory is impaired, so he still thinks he's kind of back in the high school mentality. But you know, Flash is sitting there going, "Puny Parker is Spider Man? No effing way!" <laughs> <laughs> Which is. Again, like I've always said, Flash is one of those people who is realistic to really believe he didn't know Peter was Spider-Man. Everybody else should have had a clue. Flash, on the other hand, like I've said before, to him, Spider-Man was like the high school was like a football hero and a father figure and a big brother figure and a, all in one package. That's what Spider-Man was to him. So nobody human could really fulfill that role, particularly not someone he knew like Peter Parker. So, so then, you know, we, react- you know, we kind of get the reaction from all quarters. And then, the, you know, Tony decides to have a press conference where he says, oh, by the way, now we're going to go after the, uh, all the superheroes who didn't register. And we're g- I'm putting together a strike force, and Spider-Man's going to be on it. And of course, the first time Peter's hearing this is on TV. And so he's pretty pissed off right now. And confronts Tony about it, and then, and then there's some more drama that goes on with with Peter and Mary Jane, and and you know basically then Peter goes to Tony and says, "You dumbass, you should have talked to me first. What kind of son of a bitch are you? You know." And Tony says, "You know, you're right. I, I'm sorry. I should. I, I apologize. I really should have talked to you, Peter." Uh, and he says, "But you know, we don't have any time for that now. We've you know the shit's about to hit the fan, and you know, meet the rest of the team." And then, he, you know, they walk in and there's a whole bunch of other superheroes who are ready to get together and, and take down the superheroes who haven't registered. And that is definitely <laughs> to be continued. Um, but then it kind of falls apart after this for various reasons. But 533, like I said, is really a solid, well-written, you really had hopes for civil war with this yeah. issue. It starts to go downhill. Next issue, when the true implications of what starts happening, because, you know, start to come out. Because basically, you almost have. Basically, Tony then starts becoming a fascist, and then stupid things start showing up in the writing. As you know, <clears throat> Spider Man saying, "Hey, Tony, how come I'm in the front here, leading the way?" And Tony says, "Well, because you have a way of sensing things before the rest of us." And then Peter says, "How does he know that?" I've never told Tony about my spider sense. I've only told Aunt May and Mary Jane about my spider sense. And it's like, what? (laughs) Every time someone tries to sneak up on you, you always say, don't you know better than to sneak up on a guy who's got spider sense? You say that every time. You said that for 40 years. Norman Osborn invented a gas to hide it so he could sneak up and find out who you were. (laughs) So stuff like that started showing up again. But anyway, five thirty-three. Really well written. It's just a shame that it went into the shitter so soon after that.
0: All right. Yeah. You want to go to Sensation or Friendly Neighborhood? What would you like? Well,
1: why don't we talk about civil, the rest of Civil War? Because okay, the, go ahead. The, re, the reason I say that is because Sensational and Friendly are entirely different stories, not even related to Civil War. Okay. So Civil War Two came yes. out this month, mm-hmm. and as, hey. as you remember, Civil War One uh, was. And actually, I can speed through this pretty quickly, because actually Spider-Man's only at the end. But anyway, Civil War I, uh had, you know, cigar-chomping, mustached villain Maria Hill threatening Captain America. And, of course, none of that would have happened either. Uh, and so, that, see, that's when Cap decides to go on the run, because Maria Hill threatens to arrest him. And it's like, well, wait, well, first of all, who put her in charge? <laughs> you know, second of all, why is you know i i i yeah, yeah. anyway so I, that's how civil war gets started that's when captain america goes on the run because he and maria hill have a spat and like i said who put her in charge you know and
2: if i can just uh, interject sure here. that's two things that the marvel universe or the marvel cinematic universe has managed to do is to make me like two characters one of which i was indifferent to and didn't really like and the other one i straight up effing hated uh and it and that was Maria Hill and the Falcon. I was always indifferent to the Falcon. The Falcon never really floated in my boat back in the day, and I always thought he was kind of spare. Um, Anthony Mackie made me love the Falcon in Cap 2. Um, but uh, Colby Smulders uh, playing Maria Hill um, didn't give me any choice but to like the character from there on Now, now I, that only applies to the cinematic universe. In, in, right. in, the, in, in the comics universe, if Maria Hill could slide under in her gas truck and taste her own blood tomorrow, and I'd be fine.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's like why is who why is Maria Hill having this conversation with Captain America? Why isn't the president of the effing United States having this conversation with Captain America? That is who you would be who would be having this conversation. If you want Captain America on your side, you don't send you know the the you know the secondary like i said why is it, for some reason nick fury is not the head of shield at this time and i i don't know why continuity wise okay fury has a relationship with steve, steve rogers fury can talk to steve rogers maria hill can't but of something of this magnitude if you want captain america on your side you don't send her talking to him again yeah. stupid stupid and and things just would not work out that way anyway civil war number two is when we first get the hint that you know there's the gitmo prison going up that's when the 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 law passes and then we start hunting the superheroes and reed richards is like the fascist nazi scientist all wrapped up you know oh this is going to be great this is going to be great we're going to bring order we're going to do all this and that and it's like okay reed's a little quirky and all intellectuals tend to have a fascist streak through them, but would he really be this clueless as to what's going to happen uh, when this all goes down? Uh, but then this is where, and actually, it's okay, it's Mark Millar who actually painted Tony Stark as somewhat tortured, because as the law, when the law, registration becomes the law, Tony's saying, oh God, please let us be doing the right thing here. And then, you know, like I said, JMS decides to make him a mustache twirling Nazi. So the new war, not the new warriors, the young Avengers. Okay, <laughs> yeah, another team, another team that nobody <laughs> nobody asked for and nobody wanted. The young Avengers go out, and since they're unlicensed, they get picked up by Shield. But as it turns out, uh, Cap- it's really Captain America undercover and the Falcon undercover, and they free. The uh, the young warriors or young Avengers, uh, young Avengers, new warriors. I'm getting them all mixed up. And Wiccan, <laughs> Wiccan, who's in a relationship with Hulkling. Um, I did get that right, didn't I? Yes. Okay. That's, okay. Good. That's how you say yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. You know, Wiccan, uh, you know, has has a thing for Green Dong. And <laughs> yeah, wow. So they get whisked to Captain America's secret <laughs> resistance hideout. And then the issue ends with Peter Parker. Uh, this is the issue where he really takes off his mask and inter- you know says that I'm, or Spider Man does and says I'm Peter Parker and I've been Spider Man since I'm 15 years old. Jonah passes out. The last panel is P- a full page Peter with uh, Spider Man with as with his mask off, saying any questions, and then of course to be continued, uh, which then leads us into issue number 533. Okay. Right. Then and again, the last part of the Civil War is Frontline One and Two.
0: Okay. The, bit, the Ben Urich stuff. Yes. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. And
1: Frontline was written by Paul Jenkins, who, oh. who sometimes wrote as if he had some sense. Um, <laughs> Paul Jenkins was a very good uh, one and done writer. I don't think yeah. he was a particularly strong plotter as per- when it came. He was very good with character stories, but not really good at, at telling. Multi-part stories, and I think he himself has even admitted to that. Anyway, Frontline was the kind of the the the, the press's version. Ben Yurick, you know, kind of their bird's eye view of how this was all unfolding. Where Spider-Man fits into this is the story is about Ben Yurick and this other reporter sally floyd and sally floyd of course is an alcoholic because in the simple world of comics you know if we want to have if we want to give somebody vulnerabilities let's do the easy thing out let's make him an alcoholic you know we don't really want to get any more complicated than that so we'll make him an alcoholic but anyway so before registration passes spider-man shows up in sally's apartment For whatever reason, if you're a married man and you want to show up in a drunk single woman's apartment and tell her your life story, I guess that's kind of what you do. Um, That's that's like
2: uh, every other Thursday for me.
1: (laughs) Hi, my name is George. I brought the booze. That's the thing, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which is why you, out of the three of us, you may strangely enough you may be the only sane one. Uh, (laughs) But but anyway, getting besides all kind of the. That other noise, basically Spider-Man comes to her and says, look, before this goes, comes to pass and with all the other stories that you guys are going to be putting out, I just want you to think about this. All right. You know, what is it going to do to people like me? All right, people like me who have families, people like me who have real names and real jobs and real people who rely on us and and what about people who have super- powers that don't want to be superpowered or I mean who don't want to be superheroes who want to just do their own gig and and not be drawn into all this insanity? you know don't they have the right to be who they are too, and so you know <clears throat> don't you know don't they have the right to You know, not have to, you know, you know, go and work for the government just because they happen to have this something happen to them that gave them superpowers. You know, so, he you know, he brings up some good points. And he's and as he's as he's about to leave, she tries to get into his pants. And he says, "Um, remember what I said about how my family was going to be affected? One of those people I was talking about was my wife which actually is a pretty good scene <laughs> when he's, yeah. he he kind of reminds her about that it's like she says you know i i, I you're she's drunk of course i i i i think you're cute uh if you want to come by again i can cook some lasagna and uh spiderman says uh yeah that thing i said about my family one of those people would be my wife <laughs> well this was awkward but yeah but it, again it's it's not a bad scene really uh and then that story ends with Tony Stark going up before the press and revealing himself to be Iron Man. Um, one of the backup stories is one of the stupid parts, was which is the whole speedball thing. Speedball. <laughs> speedball becomes the fall guy for this whole uh, Stanford thing. And I'm not entirely sure why. Maybe because he's the stupidest one. Um He might have been the. I don't know if it was he the only one to survive or not because I think Namorita didn't survive.
0: No, Namorita didn't survive, and uh, Night Thrasher did not survive, Uh, and and there were some new recruits on the New Warriors. Maybe he was the only survivor, and that's why he felt so so guilty. Yeah,
1: but he wouldn't. Basically, he wouldn't fess up and say that it was that he did something wrong, which again made you know he'd rather go to jail and get you know become somebody's butt buddy, you know. Wow. and then, and, and then dressing in an iron. Well, the, that's basically what. If you read the next issue, that's basically what he's threatened with. You know, when he goes to prison, you know, so, some big dude basically says, "By the way, you and I are now married." Uh, wow. But he would rather. <laughs> do Is that that. How it happens in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> it happens in prison all across the country, George. Uh, 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 oh man. But so anyway, that's the, that's the speed, you know, that that that's where we get into the whole speedball being the fall guy for this whole thing. Basically, cause the government's given him every chance to you know, sign on the dotted line and say, you know, I screwed up, I'm going to make up, I'm going to, you know, spend the rest of my life making up for this. But he refuses to do that because he's an idiot, you know, and because (laughs) this is Civil War and none of this story is supposed to make any sense. Then we get to the third little vignette here in this, which is Paul Jenkins's noble but misguided effort to try to tie in Civil War with real-life events that happened in the past. And the first one he tries to tie it in with is Spider-Man reflecting back on uh, the days in World War II when Japanese-American citizens literally, on the West Coast, literally were rounded up and put in internment camps. Yes, boys and girls, a sad part of American history, is that we literally bust in citizens of this country and put them behind barbed wire during World War II, simply because they happened to be Japanese. Now, first of all, I've been going to back off a little bit and say 75 years ago, 75 years later, we can sit back and judge what happened, Okay. We weren't, most of us, well, George likes a kid that I was living back then, but most of us, <laughs> years kid, most of us weren't alive back <laughs> then. We didn't know. We had been attacked, you know, Pearl Harbor had been attacked. There was a, I don't know, it just, the country was at war. Things happen, mentalities change when people are at war. That did not make what the government did right by any means whatsoever. Okay. But it happened but it was wrong. But but Jenkins does this throughout his front line is he tries to you know, he shows these things that happen in history and tries to frame them in civil war, and unfortunately the effect is just so ham fisted and wrong. Because there's no way you can take even even what even though you're trying to, to tell a story, an important story using comic book superheroes you can't bring them into and compare what's going on in their stories to these horrible real life events. So another thing that was kind of misguided about civil war is the writers got together and said, "Oh, let's tell something a story we think is important." and yeah, it, it all kinds of reasons why civil war was a huge mistake should never have happened. Uh, definitely uh, an example of the road to hell being paved. With the good intent, with intentions, then Civil War number two is actually um, is the fallout of Spider-Man's revealing his secret identity. We start with Ben Urich. Uh, uh, ben talks to Peter and says, "You know, how's life?" And Peter says, "Well, pretty effed up, as you can imagine." Uh, you know, Firestar and Sally Floyd meet in a bar. Uh, you know, J. Jonah Jameson goes to the bar. Hold on a second.
0: Sorry? Floyd, that was another useless character. Uh,
1: Robbie Robertson oh. follows J. Jonah Jameson into the men's bathroom. Uh, <laughs> but that, this is where Joe. Now, now, see, where Straczynski had Jonah as hurt and conflicted, uh, Paul's got him more as a raving lunatic. And. It's Paul Jenkins who who keeps referring to the Daily Bugle as a right-wing toe rag. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. When has the Daily Bugle ever been, you know, on the on the um on on the level with the Weekly World News or even the New York Post? But, you know, according to Paul Jenkins it is. You know, because Paul Jenkins has his own biases. Uh Iron Man takes down the Slinger prodigy uh, in a particularly brutal battle, we go back to uh, another vignette with, with Speedball being stupid, Speedball going to jail. Uh, you know this. Uh, then we go to the, the last part of the story, which actually was of the most interest to me, is more of Peter Parker's press conference and then someone asking about Norman Osborn. And basically, Peter says, well, Norman Osborn is an evil, murdering dirtbag, and you heard it from me. <laughs> the only problem is, Norman's watching. Uh, because in the interim, since Marvel Knights 12, I guess S.H.I.E.L.D., we never saw this story, of course, because that actually might have been an interesting story to tell, but we decided not to tell that story. Uh, Apparently, S.H.I.E.L.D. finds Norman and picks him up and arrests him. Like I said, we don't know that, you know. In fact, nobody knew that when they saw that. It's another one of those things Marvel had to explain. Oh, yeah, this happened. We didn't tell you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Norman got arrested. Well, why didn't we see that story? Anyway, and no, I'm not talking about the Pulse people. This happened after the Pulse. So anyway, Norman's pretty furious that is like, telling their whole story to the media. And it's like, you know, you broke the rules, you little prick. You know, that's not how our relationship worked. And so then, Shield is standing behind him. And says, "Well, now that you've seen this, Mister Osborne, you know how do you how are you prepared? Are you prepared to play by a new set of rules?" And of course, this ultimately leads. Into a law, which ultimately leads into Norman becoming head of the Thunderbolts, head of the Dark Avengers, and then doing something thoroughly stupid like invading Asgard in siege, painting himself green, getting slugged <laughs> by Captain America, Spider Man having absolutely nothing to do with bringing Norman down. Uh, and that's another another big cluster F to begin with. Uh, and then Paul Jenkins decides to do one of his other corollaries to history in comparing Civil War to Julius Caesar. Mm. So anyway,
0: I, well, uh, compare this to Spider Verse. Oh, is, is Civil War a better story?
1: Oh, you're asking me. You're, you know, you're kind of. <laughs> You're kind of asking me to choose between two types of turds. You know, one which is hard and fully formed, and another which is brown and runny. Uh, you're asking me to choose between those two. Uh, both were, both are ideas. I tell you what, you know what, I would say Civil War was better written initially, as a, as a, just written as a story. Mm -hmm. Both were misguided because they both started out as someone saying, aha, I've got a great idea, without realizing what would happen if they actually tried to execute it. Slot thinking that, uh, you know, taking an idea, oh, wow, what if I had every Spider-Man that's ever been across all the universes unite for one great fight to save the universe? Yeah. Not a bad idea. After someone
2: opens a door and smells someone across space and time.
1: Yeah, yeah, then it starts, yeah. But but the same person cannot smell a naked pig taking the spot of a baby. But it's it's kind of the same thing, you know. I mean, slot should have realized, and I know we're not going to talk about Spider-Verse here, but here's the thing. It's like, oh, that would be cool. But then... The, the the story that came out was completely unworkable because the idea itself was unworkable. What should have happened was, oh, okay, you know what? I've got this cool idea, but maybe I better scale it back. Maybe I just better have it maybe be like Spider Man that people would really like to see. You know, maybe team up Miguel, Peter, Spider Man Noir, um, Sp- yeah. you know, May Part, May, you know, Mayday, uh, and and even even Japanese Spider-Man with his big giant robot, Leopuridon, you know, and have them save the universe. That might have been fun, you know. That that might have really been a decent story and fun. But, anyways, but, but yeah, Civil War, the idea that, you know, oh, let's, let's examine what would really happen if superheroes were required to, you know, be held accountable for the actions by their government. Yeah, great idea. It should have died in its cradle. So...
0: The uh, the the idea also stems from the X Men with the mutant registration act. That's the first time I heard about the government trying to get involved with superpowers. Let's so it's
1: talk ta- about. Me.
0: You don't want to talk about the mutant registration
1: because that's stupid too. Uh, yeah. It's all stupid. I mean, the you know, it's like, by the way, you ask the average person on the street, uh, by the way, do you know the difference between the X-Men and the other superheroes? Well, hell no, I don't. What if I told you the X-Men were born that way? Oh, my God, that's horrible. That's horrible. Oh, that's infinitely worse than, oh, I don't know, being hit by gamma radiation and turning into a seven-foot giant green guy who always speaks in the third person. And that's why
0: you hate X-Men. <laughs> because it doesn't
1: make any sense. In the I know universe I know. that's been constructed. You know, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't. So. Let's uh, let's start. T- uh, we're done with that we one. Aren't are we are done you with know? that crazy shit. Uh, Although, all right. uh, civil <laughs> civil civil war, as you know all, in, and, yeah. and George likes to point this out. And George the, uh, George nailed the end of the whole civil war slash dark rain. Another idea, which was a great idea, completely botched siege. And then George said, well, here's the end of it. The president you know, said, uh, declares the Pre- Registration Act null and void, which, by the way, the president of the United the States cannot does, not, do, right. does not have the power to do. <laughs> and Tony Stark said, throws a party that says, wow, what a crazy year that was. Shane Bill Foster got killed. Remember, <laughs> yeah. remember that, George? Yeah, said I,
2: that. I, I went bananas on that.
1: That was the most succinct way to describe the whole Civil War, particularly how it all ended. Literally, what, where, just,
0: did, where did the party appear? What, what at the, at the t- dead t- end. I mean, like, like, had, it was like, like the what, Hedge, Hedge,
1: 4 or something like that?
2: The dead end of he Siege. Had headline Hedge. appearing up in like Times Square or whatever, and then literally everyone who was fighting one another through Civil War and all that other crap are, are in Tony Stark's penthouse, and everyone's right. drinking champagne, and Tony Stark's like, well, that was a... That was a crazy year,
1: huh? Woo.
2: A, lot of, a lot of wild shit went down. Hey, Bill Foster, we miss him, right, guys? Okay,
1: back to normal. Yeah, it's a shame we created a, a clone of Thor, you know, out of his hair that we had, you know. We can't control the real Thor, so we cloned him, and we thought we could control that any better. Suddenly, so a a big ho- end,
2: Suddenly a toast at the end of the story makes Reed Richards no longer complicit in murder.
1: Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah it just it's like they had to come up to an they had to come they 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 set something in motion that they had absolutely no idea. You know, how it was going to play out. And then, I don't know who wrote Seed. Was it Bendis that wrote Siege? Yes, yes. Which I would have forgiven Millar for not knowing how the American political system worked because Millar was British, you know. because But, yeah, Ma- but that doesn't excuse
2: anyone at Marvel not effing knowing it.
1: That's true. That's true. Oh you my know,
2: it- God, are you kidding me? These people bitch about politics all day and then, well, the president said it's no longer a law. Mother of God!
1: I know, I know. I mean, yeah, because I'll, I'll give you an, another example of how bad Civil War was. And, and I, I actually went back and read my thing on it, my the, the article that I did on it. And it was like, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, these points are still, you know, even though it was me written in one of my crazy drunken stupors, it's like <laughs> the points were all valid. I mean, when Spider-Man goes on TV to talk about how bad the Registration Act is, it's all about the prison in the negative zone. In other words, i.e. Gitmo, because Straczynski had a stick up his ass about Gitmo, you know. And Peter Parker, Spider-Man wasn't going on, you know, TV to say, hey, it's like, okay, yeah, fine. You know, so there's some irresponsible superhuman people out there, but is the solution to create clones of Thor and then have it go wild and kill people? Is it right to, you know, is, is it... <clears throat> Is it right to, like, do deals with Norman Osborne? You know, solicit Norman Osborne, the guy who threw my girlfriend off a friggin' bridge? You know? <laughs> and have him as one of your agents? Venom slash Matt Gargan, another psychopathic murderer? Bullseye, you know, they're enlisting murderers to help enforce the law. Does he say that? No. 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 He's mad about Gitmo. That kind of stuff. So Anyway.
0: Let's uh, move to Sensational Spider-Man 27 with Stegron in it. Oh, hey, yes. All
1: right. We're saving oh, hey. the
0: best for last, right? Hey. Oh. No, we got, we got Friendly Neighborhood oh, okay.
1: after okay. this. We've got to get to this part because it's so exciting. Yep. We can't contain our excitement anymore.
2: This is when I, Brad and I covered on Fight Club.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll put a different spin on it, let me say. After, after, nice. I, after I drink this uh, a, be,
2: be real careful about how you spin that Fedinger. <laughs> Tread lightly here, J.R.
1: <laughs> now, there we go. Whoa Jesus, now, <laughs> it makes the body good. Um put the moonshine down,
2: <laughs> Uncle Jesse, and cover the issue already.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, oh. Yeah, if I'm Uncle Je- if I'm Uncle Jesse, I want to be the Willie Nelson Uncle Jelly that smokes weed and bangs Linda Carter. So. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> uh, tie me up. Make me tell you the truth. No. Uh, uh, no, no, no. We don't. No, 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 no. Uh, I've already dis- I've already dis- I've already stated my point of view on that and then Bailey freaked out when I did. So, anyway, um uh spect- okay, since I- this is um uh here I'll,
0: let me read who's got we got uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa writing it and pencils
1: by Angel Medina. Okay. Um First of all, this was Roberto Aguila, and you didn't do it right. Right? If you're going to do Roberto Aguina, you've got to, you, got to get, you got to go Roberto Aguila Sacasa. You know, nice uh, because we had to have I still think it's
2: Wire act- Sacasa.
1: We uh, well, whatever, but we actually had to have we actually had to have a uh, a person of Latin descent say the name for us because none of us could get it right when we were first talking about him. I remember. You remember that?
0: Yeah, it was black. Her name was Black Cat. Yeah. She came on and just dis- pronounced it. Yeah. yeah,
1: she. Yeah, she. She was of, of Latin background. She was the only one who could pronounce it right. Um, right. But anyway, uh, and he had, and of course now we also know him as one of the guys who came in and fixed up to some degree the Spider-Man musical. Yeah, which it was still undercooked, but he did a pretty good job. Um, But like I said, they should have given some credit to Sam Raimi and Alvin Sargent because they stole more of their ideas than Stan Lee's. Um, (laughs) Anyway, this was his first story arc, and it was called Feral. Issue number 27 is the fifth part of this tale. And basically... In my opinion it was it was an overlong arc. I mean when when I, I read it again today and it's like, boy, this story could have been told in about two or three issues. It'd been a lot stronger. But the whole idea was everybody's starting to go crazy in New York, which is an idea that has been done to death. All right. everybody's getting you know, everybody's getting more violent, everybody's getting more crazy, the criminals are, are you know, monkeys are are tearing each other up. The vulture is killing and eating people. Vermin is eating people. Well, Vermin does that anyway. Um, <laughs> Mary Jane is walking around with the Avengers mansion with, the, or Avengers tower with a butcher knife. Uh, Aunt May is clobbering uh, sons of publishers who turned into lycanthropes uh, on the back of the head with teapots uh, and everything. Everybody's going crazy. Well, it turns out that the reason for this is Stegron? Damn right, Stegron! <laughs> and the story becomes instantly great when Stegron comes in because he's a dinosaur man. That's right. What's not to like about that? Like it's half he's man, a dinosaur man, half man, half.
2: Dinosaur. But
1: you said he's a. But when you said, don't you remember though? You said Brad, he's a dinosaur man. It's well, like, yeah, he's a dinosaur man. Yeah, you. It's like you were speaking to a two-year-old. You know, <laughs> because Brad, <laughs> Brad was trying to. He's trying to. Brad just couldn't understand <laughs> how some that that greatness could be explained in such a simple way. And you if were I had a dime for all the things Brad couldn't understand. <laughs> and you were trying to to. Describe the awesomeness of Stegron, and you were trying to break it down into the simplest things, but Brad still couldn't get it. He's a dinosaur man. But anyway, speak
0: slowly. Yes,
1: yeah. Stegron, Vincent Stegron finds a um, meteor uh, in the Arctic Circle, which is giving off radiation. And he takes it to New York City, to Central Park, and the radiation it's emitted is making people more animalistic and feral, and therefore he hopes that will bring about his dream of a reptilian utopia that um, he can rule. The only problem is he found, you know, is that I don't know that he really thought through the fact that there's another dude out there who also changes into a giant reptile, who also has the same idea about a reptilian utopia uh, that he would lead and that's the lizard. And I think you know, he and the lizard square off and cent- or actually I think Spider-Man squares off against the lizard in Central Park and Earlier, the lizard takes a hunk out of his shoulder or whatever. But so anyway, Stagron is trying to, you know, make turn New York into all kind, uh, basically into the Central Park Zoo, and so he can rule. But Spider Man, due to his sheer genius, realizes, hey, I'm wearing a new funky suit created by Tony Stark, and not only does it have extra arms, not only can it make itself invisible. Not only can it uh, change colors, not only can it give me the appearance of flight, but I can use it to wrap radioactive meter- meteors and stop it from emitting crazy-making radiation, <laughs> and I can take it back to the Baxter Building, Reed Richards can throw it in a hole, and New York is saved. <laughs> Not as bad as I'm kind of making it, but like I said, not. But again, it's an idea that had been done a lot of times. To- I mean, you know, na- yeah. you know, if I said name me a story about everybody in New York going crazy, maximum garbage, you know. <laughs> you know, so why do we uh, want You know, and why so? Why do we want to redo that story? You know, even Stagron now, George, I know. Stagron is awesome. Okay, but let's just do Stegron. Stagron is awesome, but could Stagron have even saved Maximum Garbage?
2: Oh yes. But anything that doesn't have Stagron uh, could it could always be at, at maybe not salvaged, but like Civil War, there's no way to salvage that. Um, but to, you know, just it's like bacon. Stagron is bacon. Okay, if you take something that doesn't have bacon and then and then you put bacon on it, by definition, you've made it better. Stegron works the same way. <laughs> Once you take a story that doesn't have Stegron and then you put the dinosaur man into the story, bam! It's instantly better. <laughs> now, now that's not always capable of defeating a, a, a writer's lack of talent. You know, on a certain on a certain thing. I'm not talking about Aguirre Sacasa. I thought I actually liked this arc overall. Um I'm just talking about other other writers in general who uh, who may not understand uh, Stegron uh, on the same fundamental levels that uh, I do. Uh,
1: the art is actually pretty interesting. It's it's different, and I've never been a fan of d- different art. You know, like oh, uh, uh, uh Humberto Ramos different or, you know, really uh, on drugs different as that guy who wrote the Spidey Deadpool issue that Steve and then Steve and then Steve (laughs) Wacker freaked out and uh, said, oh, by the way, the artists are, you know, they work for me. They don't work for you. Um, But this I think this Angel Medina and uh, I think was it Clayton Crane? I think he came in and did. Yeah,
2: I think that's right. 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 It's.
1: It's kind of an acquired taste, but it is it is kind of interesting. I I, I like the Pebbles Flintstone Mary Jane actually. I thought that was kind of cute. <laughs> um, I, I kind and I kind of like the way they made Spider Man look, particularly in the Iron Spider Man outfit. Uh, there was just kind of a certain he had a certain different spidery look to him. Uh, and, and see, I'm I'm horrible at art describing art, <laughs> which is why I'm not a good judge of it. But I actually kind of like this different perspective that these two particular... Are. I mean, George liked the arc better than the story I, that I did. I didn't think it was bad, but like I said, I thought it was about two or three issues too long. But the first
0: time I, I saw Angel Medina was in uh, Warlock and the yeah, Infinity, Watch. Infinity Watch. And he he uh, also uh, did The Hulk with Peter David. And then he did a book that I think I'm the only one that bought it. Was was uh, called Black Wolf. uh came out in the the mid-90s. Was that like and, a Night Cat? Yeah, no, not not like <laughs> there's
1: nothing out there like yeah
0: <laughs> No, it was it was a different book, and and uh, I don't remember the plot of it, but uh, I remember picking it up. It only lasted a couple of issues, but that was Angel Medina. Yeah,
1: but but yeah, this this was the first story uh, for Robert Agu- Roberto Sacasa. casa, uh, and you know, like I said, I always said it was a, it was kind of a slow start, but but this was a guy. Go- I tell you what, I, you know, when Marvel did One More Day, you know, it's it's one of those things. Why did they get rid of Sakasa and Peter David? Honest to God, if you were going so thoroughly F up the Spider-Man universe, why do you also get rid of the two of the guys who were actually writing some pretty good stories? And, and a lot of yeah. Aguirre Sakasa's stories, I think, I, think he wrote one of the, I think he wrote one of the best Aunt May stories ever. I mean, when, when Sakasa wrote his one-part Aunt May story, I, a Spider-Man reader of about 30-odd years, finally got Aunt May. That's how good what, I thought.
0: What issue was sense of sensational was uh,
1: that? It was like thirty one or thirty two or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a, just a real simple story. It's like I guess maybe though because it had some personal things for me. Maybe because it res maybe it resonated with me better than o- more than others. But basically, yeah. it was you know of course Peter has decided in civil war rather than try to work within the system. He says, oh by the way, my lovely wife and my septuagenarian aunt. Why don't we live like David Jansen? You know, (laughs) (laughs) honest to effing God. Who would do that to your family? And see, as I, as an old married man with kids, I can't even conceive of it. I can't even conceive of it. You know, honest to God. And that just appalled me that he would make that decision because no rational human being would, regardless of some idiot out there who said, well, just because you wouldn't make that kind of decision doesn't mean the rest of us wouldn't. I forget what yeah. that idiot's name was, but it was, you know, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, anyway. But um, anyway, no, he wrote, the Aunt May story was where she was reflecting, Peter was, uh, had really been mangled, beaten up, I think, by the rhino, I think, uh, in the previous story. Yeah, that's right. He really got the crap kicked out of him, and May was reflecting back to a time when he, he, Peter was little, and he broke his arm. And, you know, she how she fretted about him and worried about him and stayed in the hospital all night. And, you know, and uh, it just I, I can't you know, you, you have to read it. But, it, I, you know, it was like, well, that's that's how a mother would react. And it was like, well, that's that's Aunt May. That's Aunt May, you know, and, 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 and she had been written so poorly over the years, you know, you know, it was like, well, she's a senile old bat, you know, and you always wondered why she was mothering Peter and smothering him and acting like a dingbat and stuff. And and this story said, well, wait a minute, of course she's his mother. She's not as his, she's not like his mother. She is his mother, and as his mother, she's going to worry sick about him, regardless. And and the fact that like she stayed all night in the hospital with him reminded me of the time that. When my brother and I had our tonsils out when I was eight years old, you know, uh, and my mother staying in all night in the hospital, sleeping in a wooden rocking chair, you know, all night yeah. to be with my brother and myself. And both of my kids did time in the hospital and my wife mm-hmm. never left their side. I was the weak one. I see. I always had responsibilities, you know, because, mm-hmm. oh, I have to go to work or I have to do this. I have to do that. Which were my excuses to get away from that because I couldn't bear being there. I couldn't bear seeing my kids sick. I couldn't bear seeing all of the other sick kids, you know. Because they, you know, when you're, if you've ever spent any time in a children's hospital, it's it it eats, it's it rips your effing heart out, you know. Yeah. And you know, and and then I just got it with Aunt May, you know. But but part of that was because. And and this, you know, credit goes to JMS, too. They finally got this old woman. You know, like I said, all the other writers, including Stan himself, wrote her as a senile, senile old dingbat, you know. And uh, and that's why I think when Sally Field nailed it when, in Amazing 2, yeah. you know, when she said, you're my boy. Mine. I yeah. raised you. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah, anyway, exactly. Robert, he had a good run. Why he wasn't retained. Uh maybe he had sense enough to get out, I suppose, but if Marvel let him go, stupid mistake. Yeah. Uh last one
0: is friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Peter David wrote it. Uh Mike Waringo penciled it. And uh take us there, JR. Yeah.
1: Mike Waringo. Just want to say a little thing about Mike Waringo. Uh he was yeah. he was never one of my favorites, but I know a lot of you guys liked him. Uh, I did. And yeah. uh it was really a shame what happened to him. The guy was forty-four years old. Mm. And he had and I looked it up he had basically he had a tear in his aorta, um and when you have i guess something like that, uh literally uh, your heart fills with blood and you're done, you know, and yeah. people you know and it's happened to other people, it happened to John Ritter, for example, uh it happened to Jonathan Larson, who wrote rent, you know, and he wasn't even forty years old when that happened. uh you know so we're we go yeah. forty three years old forty four years old you know, had that and and, and and died. It was just sad, really sad. I mean a reminder that any of us can go at any time for any reason. But so anyway, little my little little nod there to Mr. Ringo or Ringo as he was kind of affectionately known. Um yeah. when Peter David got his own Spider Man tile, Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man, to paraf- to quote Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and there was much rejoicing. Yay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. unfortunately Peter David was not really allowed to write Spider Man. <laughs> That's true. Peter David had to write around all the other bullshit Marvel had going. First of all, the other remember that classic, every boys and girls.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Spider Peter, you're dying. Of well, what? Oh well, we don't know, but you're dying. Oh, can you tell me? I don't know. You're dying of something. Uh, you better go. You know, finish your whale or whatever. So then Peter spends the next few issues, well, I'm dying of something that I can't tell you about because I don't really understand, but uh, let's put on Dr. Doom's armor and go back in time or something. Anyway. Um,
0: <laughs> and put Aunt May in a an Iron Man suit. Yeah, and yeah. put
1: Aunt May and Mary Jane in Iron Man suits. And, oh, my God. Anyway, the other boys and girls. Uh, more Moreland smelling people across universes and stuff. Uh, but And then he also well, got wrapped up in the whole Civil War thing. but. So we never really got a good chance to see what Peter David could do with a Spider-Man title. This story was kind of one of the few that he was able to bring his own spin to, but unfortunately it got ruined as well. But a lot of people didn't like this story, but frankly, I did. And huh. when, when um, Brad had Peter David on in issue number five, issue number five, podcast number five, Uh, Wow, number five, five. okay. Number five. One, two, three, four, five. He was your first guest. I mean, as far as, you know, and he was also the one who turned Internet's, I mean, Venom 65437 (laughs) into the famous joke that it is today.
0: That was very funny. That was
1: a classic. But, um, yeah, when I said, told Peter David I like that, he said, oh. You're the one. Uh, <laughs> this story actually starts
0: Was that a call in show? Did you talk to him?
1: Yeah. Well i it- okay, I think it was. <laughs> it, yeah. it was. Yeah, it was it was that was when the rest of the panel would participate in your interviews, but then when you okay. found out that we were dull, boring, and brought absolutely nothing to the table <laughs> uh you fired us. <laughs>
0: I'm
1: a prick. <laughs> no, no 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 actually it was I think I think really a lot of us just realized that we didn't serve any function you know it was kind of like uh, you know do you have any questions well no or you know or I had questions about star trek you know and it's like but <laughs> but it really did work better with just you or 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 you and George um you know it, but so you kind of went with that and it, it worked out for the best but um okay. but anyway uh, this story actually starts out in friendly neighborhood number seven because Aunt May and Jarvis are out on a date. Aunt May and Jarvis sitting in a tree, you know, which I think Mary Jane actually sang once, um, which was another one of the, the pre Civil War one more day things that was actually a good subplot that got thrown into the shitter. And I guess it turned out that May was actually dating Scroll Jarvis. But we yep. didn't know that at the time either. But anyway, that was actually an interesting relationship, because Jarvis was trying to ask May out, and of course he couldn't really quite do it. And so May had to basically ask her out for him, which was kind of cute. And then it was like May was saying, can't I call you something besides Jarvis? I mean, that just seemed – I mean – can I, you know, what else can we do? And so they started going through names, including his you know, his own, which was Edwin. And then they finally agreed that the best thing for her to call him was just Jarvis, which, again, was yeah. really funny. But anyway, they go out to eat, and then all of a sudden she sees Uncle Ben standing outside. Yeah. Ah! Okay, to be continued. Issue number eight is we find out what's really going on is – we first see Peter Parker walking to his house in Forest Hills just after one of his entertainment gigs, and we think we're, being, we're going through the whole Uncle Ben just got shot thing. But we find out that the police and the fire trucks are around the Parker home in Forest Hills because Aunt May fell down the stairs and, and, and died in an accident. And so Uncle Ben is there to say, well, you know, this stuff happens to us old people, you know, and, you know, J.R. Fettinger's lucky it hasn't happened to him yet. Um, <laughs> but then we find out we're in an alternate universe uh, where Spider-Man never becomes a crime fighter because, you know, May d- May died through an accident and no, and no fault of a criminal. Uh, so Spider-Man becomes an entertainer. Ben, he decides to make Ben his agent. Because that gets around the idea of, because checks can't be cashed out, to, checks can't be made to Spider-Man, because Spider-Man can't cash checks. So if he makes Ben Parker his agent, they can be re- re- written to Ben as his agent, and Ben can cash him. Uh, which, of course, then should have led people to ask why Spider-Man is having an old dude in Forest Tales be his agent, but anyway. Uh, but... After a while, Spider-Man and Peter and Ben start having problems because Peter wants to go on to California. He wants to do bigger and better things, you know, and Ben is saying, you know, Peter, geez, you know, you got superpowers. You really ought to be doing them for something more than just this stuff. Uh, And in one little cute little Easter egg, uh, Ben watches his, you know, Peter goes. Anyway, they break up. Peter goes out. Peter fires him as agent. Peter goes out to California, become a Spider-Man becomes a movie star. Uh, And so Ben goes and watches him in his latest movie, which is kind of a Star Wars riff. Ben walks out of the theater, and you see the theater say Spider-Man 4, and Ben says, well, at least it was better than the last one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but But anyway, so Ben's walking home, but when he gets to his home in Forest Hills, he sees that it's been burned down. Well, as we know in previous issues, the fake Molten Man wannabe burned down the Parker house. And what has happened is that Ben has crossed into the regular Marvel Universe. And, you know, naturally, uh Jarvis calls Peter and says, hey, there's a dude who looks like your Uncle Ben walking around here. (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, Peter then comes and finds him and says, you know, hey, why are you walking around looking like my Uncle Ben? And then we find the villain of the piece who is Hobgoblin 2211 to be continued, which leads us into issue nine, which is this month's issue, which actually is mostly about the origin of Hobgoblin 2211. Oh, and there's a story behind this as well, which is, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, it's spider history, folks. Sometimes it, yeah. sure it ain't pretty. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me take another sip of Mountain Dew here. This podcast
0: brought to you by PepsiCo, who produces fine products like Mountain Dew for J.R. to consume
1: and have such rage.
0: Go ahead, J.R. <laughs> and burp. And burp. Oh, uh,
1: Jesus. All right.
0: Now, see, Brad drinks
1: Mountain Dew and burps all the time, but it's okay for him.
0: Now, I
2: have not burped on the podcast. I don't He's never burped that i know wherever. Wherever He, he, he
0: passed gas before. <laughs> I popped the top. Well, I do not fart on the podcast.
1: Lord Emerson. Well, you know, George swears automatically to by just saying you passed gas, and here you had to bring that four letter word into it. Like, oh,
2: well, George <laughs> brings the class wherever he yeah.
1: comes, you know. Yeah, well, you know, Brad showed Brad's rules, I guess. You know, he can say fart, but we can't say the other four letter F word. Uh, uh-huh.
0: Yeah, like it stopped you guys ever.
1: <laughs> but anyway, uh, anyway, we find out, first of all, as you all know, Peter David created and wrote Spidey 20, yes. Um Which, uh, it's, it's funny, Cyber Wolf, Um you wanted us to talk about a certain some certain issues. Well, we won't talk about the issues, but I'll say for the most part that, spider man twenty nine nine is kind of as long as Peter David wrote it was a fairly good title um, yeah. I kind of lost interest in it after about a dozen issues I bought like the first dozen issues and it was really i was interested in it as as it was setting up this future universe that was run by corporations when it got to just doing stories that were more about the Spider-Future Spider-Man fighting future versions of Spider-Man's villains and teaming up with future versions of the Marvel universe. I kind of lost interest after that. I was more interested in the society than just seeing, you know, kind of future retreads of old villains. But anyway, um,
0: he he, he t- crossed over into so many books with the X-Men and the Punisher and the yeah. uh Doom, etc. Yeah. And the, and there was there was always one big issue that, I forget, like, Doom's Day, or what, I forget what it was, but you had to buy the big chromium cover, and that would set up the next couple issues of 2099s, but...
1: yeah, kind of a precursor for how screwed up the Marvel Universe became, and then the twenty nine nine folks all 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 resigned because their editor got fired, uh,
0: right? And then then they put then they flooded the world, and then they put all of them on an island like Lost, yeah, and that was awful,
1: awful. Yeah. So anyway, we but anyway, during Peter David's run, uh, he actually had Spider our Spider Man, Peter Parker, and Miguel sort of team up in a crossover. Basically, they switch it was I didn't think it was that good of a story because it was one of those where it was told it was a story that that should have been told in a much better and a much longer uh, arc than like just a one issue har, uh you know heavy cover thing that we could sell for 6 bucks back in the 1990s um yeah. but you know so they did this crossover and what the the villain behind the whole piece was Hobgoblin 2211 because we met the Spider-Man of 2211. The Spider-Man of 2211 was sort of a time cop. You know, he and his little spider cronies kind of tried to keep the peace among all the time streams. And Hobgoblin 2211, with his retcon bombs, and I say his, <laughs> his, because we didn't know what he was at the time. Uh, with the retcon bombs, was always trying to screw with history and all that kind of stuff. Uh, which is funny because now when you read. Hobgoblin twenty two eleven's origin and you see what Spider Man twenty two eleven's function was, it's like, hmm. I think Dan Slott must have been reading some of this stuff when he came up with his Spider-Verse idea. Because that that you know or even Marvel when they came up with the whole let's reboot the Marvel universe by having all the universes crash in on each other. Which because I think that's actually referenced in this issue because hobby hobby anyway hobgoblin <laughs> twenty two eleven we go to issue nine starts out in twenty two eleven which is a devastated earth, which we i don 't think we ever find out why it's devastated, but everybody lives underground there's a scientist by the name of Robin Bourne, a woman uh, who has come up with some kind of theory about time and you know, thinks that we they need to do something that the universe, if the universes crashes into each other, there could be catastrophe. And therefore, she's come up with this, you know, time experiment doohaggy thingy, you know, to maybe fix it. But then Spider-Man 2211 shows up, who happens to be her father. And in a scene kind of ripped off from Minority Report, Spider-Man 2211 is there to arrest her because she is going to commit t- crimes against the time stream, which she hasn't done yet. <laughs> so he <laughs> arrests her and puts her into a coma in a stupor. Uh, in uh, and it's I'm not doing it justice, really. But then her boyfriend frees her. But in the process of freeing her from this stupor that this medically induced coma that she's in it drives her crazy and she becomes Hobgoblin 2211 because she had been creating a costume to help her skip the time streams, skip across time streams. Well, it Ultimately, she made it into this hobgoblin costume, and she's the hobgoblin because even though she has the green goblin's colors, because her father's nickname for her when she was a child was Hobby. I don't know how you get from Robin to Hobby, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so, Hobgoblin twenty two eleven's gig is by is killing Spider Man across the time streams, and. So, she, to really screw up with Peter Parker, she brings the Uncle Ben from another universe into the Spider Man universe. And basically, that's how number nine ends. Issue nine ends with us going through the origins of Hobgoblin 2211, finding out what she's up to. Issue number ten, then, it kind of is the resolution where Spider Man 2211 comes into the Marvel time present and. Gets in a fight with Hobgoblin-2211, and she throws a retcon bomb at him. But Spider-Man, not knowing that it's a retcon bomb and what it'll do, throws it back at her, and it explodes on her. And, of course, retcon bombs, not only do they kill you, but they wipe you from existence. Hence, retcon bombs. So she's wiped from existence. But then we find out, but then the Uncle Ben of the alternate universe who's walking around meets some old bum. And <laughs> we, they have a conversation, and the old bum says, "Here, here's a gun. You ought to kill yourself." Um, and then the le- Uncle, ben, then we see Spider-Man 2211, at, and old Uncle Ben walks up to him and kills him, shoots him. And then you know, then we go back and we see another Uncle Ben who's laying dead. So we don't know what the hell has happened. We absolutely, and I guess that's why a lot of people didn't like the story because it was like they had no idea what had happened. Peter David obviously had an idea where it was going because he was dropping hints about the villain's identity, which I finally got. Uh, but it got derailed by the whole civil war thing, and he had to combine two stories into one. Basically, I guess what had happened was the old dude that Uncle Ben met was really Chameleon twenty two eleven. Uh, And so what he had done was he had killed the Uncle Ben from the alternate universe and took his place. Well, ultimately, no pun intended, what happened was this Chameleon 2211, I guess, killed somebody. And Sandman's dad took the fall for it. Sandman's dad was going to get executed. Sandman asked Spider-Man for help. Of course, Spider-Man's on the run because it's Civil War. uh, And it turns out Chameleon 2211 is it is is the bad guy spider man of our time uses spider man twenty two eleven 's helmet to send chameleon twenty two eleven to the electric chair <laughs> in, place Sp- in place of Sandman's place of dad and chameleon twenty two gets ele- eleven gets electric- electrocuted and it 's like we all say what so <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 I actually kind of liked it, but uh it it didn't really it didn't pay off it's con- sounds, confused. It, it sounds it, confusing it was, it was and unfortunately like yeah. i said it it didn't it wasn't helped by the fact that Peter David really wasn't allowed to tell his own stories. Right. So there we are.
0: So was August twenty two thousand six better than August of
1: twenty fifteen? Well, considering that August of twenty fifteen had what? Only uh renew your vows and and, yeah. and 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 <laughs> and what is that thing sparkle? Um that uh, Spiral, yeah. yeah, Spiral.
2: Yeah, I I, I, I I have, whatever. It sounds you like know. some kind of instrument or some kind of, like, a kitchen tool that you <laughs> use that uh, works spam. Well, <laughs> well,
1: apparently that's just about as uh, of, of, of much good as the actual Spiral miniseries, if you read. Uh, it, was it Andrew Roebuck who wrote that? Yes, okay, yeah. I, yeah from, um, on the front page, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, um, so I read his review and it pretty well summed up what I thought of the entire Spiral miniseries. Uh, was this well, I, boy, I don't know. It was, uh, it sure was a hell of a month, that's for sure. With the <laughs> un- that. It's a shame though because the unmasking should have been a pivotal. I, I honestly was naive enough to think it was going to last. I don't know why I thought that. I really didn't think Marvel would be so short sighted and stupid as to like, do this elaborate con on us that they were going to have peter reveal that he was spider-man but a big retcon was already in the works why didn't that occur to me um because it's comics but no it really should have been a classic spider-man story but unfortunately it was rooted in a a totally misguided uh, uh, event crossover event and then retconned in the most stupid way possible. The stupid way that Marvel said we would all forget within five years, and we're still bitching about eight to (laughs) ten years later. Interesting month. I wouldn't say good month. Interesting month, uh, but pivotal.